0: Knock on my door. I don't like it. Like your your house door?
1: Yeah, I never have anybody knock on my door. Ever. They're knocking a lot.
0: It's a hang on, if I don't come
1: back you need to call (laughs) 911 I'll be right back. I'm not lying.
0: Guys, this could be the documentation of Pam Ochoa never coming back. This is a very intense moment. We're not really sure. Who's at the door? Why they're at the door? Who could possibly be at the door? I hear talking. Somebody is there. What is this? What could possibly be so intense at the door? Pam sounds okay. Maybe she's faking. Maybe not. Maybe Just maybe Someone's selling her something Miss Pam strong enough To deny the sale At 8.51pm On Friday night No one knows No one could know Only Pam knows And we're here Wondering together alone separately who knows what's really going on it's a great mystery it's a great secret maybe someone's selling encyclopedias I could see Ochoa buying encyclopedias she would be someone to do that in this day and age she'd probably love them if it's my question this week, which it might be I think that might be what I ask Would she buy encyclopedias? Oh, we're talking about work Who could possibly be at the door? The plot thickens The plot continues Oh, Joe is telling her how it is I'm not used to this, go away a secret. This is all a mystery. I think she may be coming back. But is she? Is yeah. she truly coming back? Yeah. The person's not leaving. Yeah, all... He's a lingerer. No one likes lingerers. Nobody. Nobody.
1: Yeah. Oh,
0: likes lingerers.
1: We want people to go
0: away Especially when we're trying to podcast But in life You gotta give the cues And if they don't accept the cues Mm, That's not good There's been a bunch of social cues to go away Problem is Pam's in podcast mode So now she's in talking mode when Pam's in talking mode There's no stopping her There's zero stopping Pamela Ochoa, when she's ready to talk. It's a skill. It's a curse. Silence. Is she returning?
1: I'm okay, (laughs) we (laughs) can't. Sorry about that. But she knocked more than once. (laughs) You didn't call 911, did you?
0: Uh No, but I did start recording, and I narrated the mystery just in case something bad happened.
1: <laughs> did you really? <laughs> well, it turned out that my daughter was across the street at the church, and they saw Elizabeth, so they gave Elizabeth.
0: Pam Ochoa, I have a question for you. My question okay. is... <laughs> If if you were approached by someone at your door without you knowing, Uh-oh. and they were selling unique, in some way, encyclopedias, would you consider buying them?
1: Would I consider buying encyclopedia? You know, <laughs> my I've got a whole set of encyclopedias that. Uh, I inherited from my mom at my house from when she actually bought encyclopedias. And you know, when I was a kid, I know you're surprised, but when I was a kid, I read those encyclopedias all the time. They stayed in the living room. So they just stayed there. No, I would not today buy encyclopedias when I have Google and all these other things. And I still have my old 1960. Eight or 1970 Encyclopedia Britannica that I can still refer back to and get almost accurate information on some things. Other things they've had to change, but the books don't change. So probably not. However, if somebody came knocking on my door as they just did, which is what prompted this question, I do believe, I would be worried. <laughs> I don't ever have anybody knock on my door especially like from oh no no they don't knock on my door so I don't I try not to answer any of those but then when they keep knocking I'll go so I get a little nervous well I don't my kids you know I don't have too many people here anymore so I don't have hardly anybody knocking on my door unless I know they're showing up I'm sure I have, you know, candy from the little kids. Cause they just win your little heart years ago. Oh, that's not a door salesman. Uh, oh man. I had my mic muted.
0: <laughs> not the whole time. You're just lying I was to me. To you. Oh my goodness. That's okay. People so, can infer the questions I was asking. <laughs> I asked, I went, I asked her if she'd ever bought anything from a doorman. And then she and said, I said,
1: Handy. Yes. And then he said that was not yes, that a door can. salesman. Yeah. Not a door now, salesman. it's hard to get me to buy too much unless I've actually pre-thought it out. Hmm. But every once in a while, you're tempted. Yeah, I get My that. husband used to buy things.
0: Really? Like what? He,
1: yeah, he'd buy the Omaha steaks that would show up oh. and the, <laughs> all the stuff. Some of them went to throw those away. Some of them turn out to be okay. You never know. But he was always buying something think it made him feel happy. But no, I would not buy encyclopedias, but I would be a little nervous if you came knocking on my door unannounced.
0: Um, I have a vivid memory for some reason of a door salesman coming to my house and selling my parents a vacuum. I remember like the demo was there and everything. Oh, yes. Really weird. That was and We had that vacuum for a long or time. Or a rainbow.
1: Was it a rainbow?
0: I don't know. It was gray.
1: Oh, it was gray. It's probably a uh, Kirby. Yeah. We my my phone. husband oh. did buy a Kirby one time. Same way.
0: That's weird. They must he have bought some a Kirby. Great salesman.
1: Yeah. You, yeah. And then you get all tripped up in there because, you know, they just keep, they, they, they do this demonstration and you're like, oh, I can't have all that dirt in my house. So you go ahead and buy it.
0: It's but always no, the dirt. I don't.
1: It's always the dirt. If you could get the if you could get the dirt up. You can stop the dirt. But no, yeah. So you remember that?
0: Yeah, it's kind of weird, right? Like that's like a vivid memory in my head. It must have made an impression on me too. They were such a good salesman. <laughs> there you go. Oh my well, god. Well, I used All to right. sell.
1: I used to sell. Yep. Yeah. Oh, Avon. That's another one that I've bought. I've bought some Avon here and there, but you usually know those people. They're usually not cold calls. Cold calls are hard. I, I uh, appreciate anybody who
0: can actually do it and be successful. I had I'm not it. that person. Did you really? What did you sell? I mean, kind of. I did. I worked at Everest College and I was a high school admissions oh. rep. So they, yeah. it was, it, it wasn't full cold calling because they had to put their information at some point, but they felt like cold calls. Let me tell you. <laughs> did you They'd get be like, "How did you t- get my information?" I'm like, "I don't know, man. You're just on the list. What do you want me to do?"
1: <laughs> I worked for a tele, whatever. I left. I left McDonald's when I was young. I left McDonald's, and then I went to a telecommunications person. Where I made calls for all these different types of people. Well, I tell you what, that was an interesting thing. That I didn't last long at that. I did not last long at that. So I went, my next job was stapling papers. And that's what I did for eight hours every day or six hours every day. That was a job. I stapled papers. I did because we didn't have Xeroxes. You didn't have all that stuff. So I had to type. I had to make the corrections. I worked for an insurance company. So I made all the corrections. I did the writers. I was in the writers department. So I literally, I actually had to type in the corrections with my, you know, make my correction with my uh, correcting tape and then type in the corrections. And then I know how to staple them into a file folder because I actually had to be trained on how to staple papers effectively in a file folder. Yes, wow. that was a training I've had. Have That's you had cool. that training?
0: No, <laughs> maybe that should be our next craft and draft training.
1: Maybe how to do that. I don't think so. I don't think anybody would be interested in it, <laughs> but you I can not do it.
0: You know I am a professional. What they're interested in, intro ladies and gentlemen. This is the craft and draft podcast. That's Pamela Chubb, Jacob Chastain. We're two educators down here in the state of Texas doing what we love talking about reading, writing, workshop, and everything in between. Today, we're jumping into a lot, but I want to tell you before that, that this episode and the podcast really is sponsored by you guys. We don't have ads on the show. We have you guys sponsor us, and we're sponsored by people who join us over on our Patreon page. That Patreon page gets you access to bonus content no one else has, including bonus episodes, bonus videos, access to trainings, and direct access to us for questions, and so much more. Um, We love our people over there. A lot of them have supported us for a long time. Some of them are new. Some of them are old. It just depends. We love everyone. And uh, we're very grateful for everyone over there. And they are Alicia, Brandy, Leah, Mark, Amy, Sarah, Rebecca, Courtney, Carol, Melissa, Destiny, Lori, Natalie, Susan, Tracy, Andrea, Hannah, Lori, Jen, Matt, Amanda, and Donna. They support us over there on Patreon. They get access to stuff. And they're going to want to keep their access. And you're going to want to join us because summer is when we do all of our fun stuff. It's when we gear up towards our training. I have just for just like complete, uh, awareness is my schedule. I'm still on contract. We talked about this last week, I believe, or maybe the week before, um, to where I'm still working for the next three weeks. And then I go to Austin and then I have summer for like a little bit. So that'll probably be where Ocho and I squeeze in quite a bit of stuff, but I do have a lighter schedule these days. So we'll probably squeeze in some Extra content here coming up I know we owe some things We'll probably put out some even extra, extra content out there For the Patreon people Thank you for being patient for us It's been a little crazy on my end For a variety of reasons Including the work schedule Ochoa's been traveling We've been all over the place So, in any case Thank you for supporting the podcast But you're here for the topic So the topic is How to... The art of uh, presenting, right? And the way you present is Don't start a topic by saying Uh, in the middle of the title, right? But it is uh the art of presenting we came up with this Ochoa has presented quite a bit in her lifetime I presented all day today I did four hour and a half presentations Ah. and it was it was a lot I did that in Alito ISD super fun met some fans of the show both craft and draft and teach me teacher which is super nice but that's what we're gonna be talking about today so if you want to learn how to present if you want our thoughts on presenting that's what we're talking about today all right Ochoa Presenting. I want to I want to continue with my train of thought. So I here's the thing. I know you've uh presented a lot, but I have to tell you, four hour and a half presentations is a lot in a day. Yes. It is a lot because it's it's just being on that long. And so I did, I was lucky enough it wasn't the same presentation. I had two different ones, but still <laughs> it was it's a lot because the, the, the problem, and I wonder if you have this and we can, we can go backwards here in a minute, but I wonder if, cause the thing that I like had to take into account was, it's almost like your lesson, right? As your lesson goes, you tweak it a little bit. You say things a certain way. You're like, oh, I didn't really say that the correct way. So you focus on that on the next one. But what I found was I went faster in my last two because I'd already kind mm-hmm. of gone through it for the day, and so uh, it allowed me some flexibility in how I talked about stuff. But ultimately, it led to a shorter, uh, little session—not by much. But I just thought those interesting. Have you ever done? What's your longest like day of presentations? I'm sure you've done longer.
1: Oh, my longest day of presentations as well. When we do the Abydos, we have to. But now. Abydos, we we're doing we're alternating usually with somebody but there was I had one of my presenters that I was working with one time and she we were working in Fort Worth and she actually got sick and so she missed that whole day which very rarely happens so she actually ended up missing two days so I ended up doing two full days of Abidos now you did Abidos it's yeah. a it's a it's a six mm-hmm. out I mean it's it's a full day and so, but you have all these lessons all the way through. So it's like, four, and, and and the lessons aren't always the exact same amount. You have some lessons that take two hours to complete and some lessons that take 30 minutes to complete. But you're always on for at least 30, 45. So to do that all day long was probably my that was probably the toughest and to do it for two days all day long because the way we do it we usually tag team at least with a partner and at that before then I was always doing it with uh three people because you know it's hard for the participants too uh to hear you drone on if you're not doing different things especially if it's Mm -hmm. the same participant all day long and that's how it was in Abydos same person all day long
0: Yeah. Well, and so what I did, I did two uh, this time. Mm -hmm. One of them, I did a version of craft and draft, which you kind of went off and did um, at Abydos recently. So it's kind of fun. I want to brainstorm with you just kind of off air, I guess, on how the different presentations went, what went well, what worked well, because what I did this time. Is for craft and draft I actually gave them A physical journal know I did something similar I know you made Like a little packet Kind of or I made cute journals Mine were yeah. cute I don't well, know what I, yours were like I went and bought spirals And then took Oh them. I,
1: I did I did not do that I actually and made I,
0: them Yeah we walked through it And we did lessons together And kind of did that piece um, But yeah. So that one was Really interactive And it even had Some work time Built into it Which uh, Was good um, And I thought It was fruitful for the attendees, um, but my other one was a, a different version of my Teach Me Teacher talk that I've kind oh, okay. of constructed over the years um, at the various times I've done. It. I've done shorter versions. I've done longer versions, but this one I actually incorporated almost like a self-reflection piece, um, and it was kind of cool. It was... It was interesting to kind of – because I knew they wanted me to do a little bit more uh, interaction, right? I wasn't doing a keynote, and so I wanted to kind of give my spiel but also have them work. And so it was kind of cool. It was almost like a self-reflective thing. I think looking back, I should have had a little bit more because I had two kind of self-reflection questions that fostered conversation at the beginning. And then I talked for a long time, and then there's two uh, at the end. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. I needed like at least one more right in you the middle. You need three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it was, it was an interesting learning experience. I think they Mm -hmm. enjoyed it. It was just that middle piece went a little long, which is fine. I don't think it hurt the presentation, but I think it's, you know, unless you're in a keynote, it's just not, you need a little bit more interaction than that. Just a little. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But I want to talk about like the art of presenting because do you, I'm trying to think of the first time. I presented. I believe it was about independent reading. Is what I feel like I presented on the very first time for the district. Maybe not, though. It might have been podcasting.
1: I think it was probably podcast. Really? No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It was one of those. Did so, you do? Didn't you do one for technology? Wasn't that the podcast yes. one?
0: Yeah. But I don't know if I, if that was the first time I presented for the district. Oh, okay. Okay. That's what I'm talking about. So like, it was so either way, I remember kind of the thing that I struggled with. Um, and I think the thing that most people struggle with is I guess two things, but the, the one thing I don't struggle with. So I think a lot of people struggle with like, they're, they're just like, they kind of stand at their computer. They're not really dynamic in any way. And so it's just kind of boring. Uh, so- that's not you. You're all over the room. I am and I don't think ever, I don't think everyone needs to be I think some people command a presence not doing that um I think honestly, I think you do that really well is you don't jump around the room, but you do move and you talk you have I'm a really all good, over the room. Mm-hmm. you have a natural uh, like casualness to yourself that really brings people in that people connect to. I just kind of get caffeinated and see what happens. But, um, the piece that I worry about the most is just time (laughs) management because I can't always, and I would do this with my lessons too, is I wouldn't always be aware of, uh, what, like how, what's how long something's going to take. Or like if I, like for my teach me teacher speech, I share a lot of personal stories in that one. Um, I don't always tell the stories the exact same way, right? Sometimes I ad lib a little bit and add a little bit more detail. Sometimes I go off on a tangent on something else. Right. And so it's that I'm good. I'm better at it now. Like my, I can do an hour, hour and a half pretty easily and pretty much on point with what I need to do. But I, I second guessed myself for a long time. Did you, was that one of your struggles when you started presenting or do you have a different thing that you struggle with?
1: My my deal, I think when I'm presenting with other people, they're afraid because of you said I had this casualness about me and that casualness really worries my partners because they think I'm not going to get done. And I just kind of but I get it done. Uh, so, no, I, I timing is something I think I, you're asking me something. I've been doing this for over 20 years. So probably at the beginning I did. I probably did at the beginning, probably went over, uh, but I don't remember too much about that. I just remember people in the back thinking I'm, I was going too slow. So what what I do is I try to get the the people to participate, right? So I do that wait time. And it really drives my partners who I'm working with crazy. So they yeah. need to go off and figure out what they're going to do because they inevitably will answer the questions. And I'm like, I don't need you to answer the questions. You have the answers. I want their their answers. But they don't, you know, so it just depends on who I'm working with. Some people um, are pretty calm about it. But I have worked with some people that are really nervous that we're not going to get through to the next thing. And so they want to speed it up. And sometimes that's not the best thing. But I always seem to end on time and we never seem to go over. So I just have a way of uh, pacing. It's just a pacing. And I'm I'm like you, you need to have a minimum of three things. You need to have something to kind of, you know, like at the beginning, I want to tell them a little bit about myself. Why am I here? Why am I the person in front of the room and not them? Mm -hmm. So I kind of, give a little bit of spiel that way, but not too much because I don't want it to be about me. And then I will have them get into the actual, like, uh, you know, I'll have something for them to do. A conversation, a question, a writing assignment, you know, not a writing assignment, but, you know, some kind of invitation to write or an invitation to read where they read something. And then we, and then I put them in whatever, Whatever I'm trying to teach, I try to put them in that position where they're actually doing it. Okay. And then we talk about it. We share about it. I give my points. I give my research, my history about it. And then we do something else. Another reading, another something. And then I talk again, typically. And then we do a concluding activity. And then I open it up for questions and answers. And then say, thank you, everybody. I'm so glad you came. (laughs) And then... If they're clapping, I'm happy. If they don't clap, I'm like, all right, well, I'm still glad you came, even though, you know, apparently it wasn't good enough. No, I'm not kidding. I'm kidding. It is I don't, I don't say any of that,
0: but so I had we I had a couple smaller sessions today because it really wasn't uh mm-hmm. like I wasn't in a main room, so I was kind of one of the the one-offs or whatever, which is cool. I I like I like doing both. I like kind of being one of the main attractions, but also kind of like being on the periphery where I just kind of get to cultivate, you know, just kind of see who shows up and see what kind of crowd comes to your session. Um, Mm -hmm. So I had medium and small and I walked in on one of my small sessions and I asked the teachers, I go, what do y'all like doing better? Do y'all like teaching a big classes or small classes? And they were like, we love teaching a big classes way more. We've had small classes before. And I was like, okay, well just want y'all to feel that. All right, moving on. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, this is small. (laughs) Well, I said it because I was like, I'll, and I told so them, let's get like, the but, elephant out of the room. Yeah. Cause <laughs> I told them, I was like, I was like, why do you like teaching small class or why do you like teaching me? Cause like, cause they interact. I'm like, so I'm going to need you to interact and we're going to be good. <laughs> <It's>, yeah. <laughs> and so I, I just kind of, you know, called it out or whatever, but it was it, honestly, mm-hmm. it was fine because it allowed, cause both sessions were new to me. So I was just kind of experimenting with them. Um, and the craft book one was really, or the craft and draft one was really interesting because, um, I only, so out of the two sessions, I think there may have only been really like six English teachers. There was a physics teacher. There was a business teacher. There was an ASL teacher. Oh, well, that's right up um, my alley. I know. I, that's what I said. I was like, man, Ochoa, <laughs> God, this is why. Um, but it was cool. <laughs> it was cool to interact because this is what happened. That's though. great. Uh-huh. As, as we were kind of talking through it, um, I real like the, the craft book, what they loved was the two page spread piece, right? The whole right and left. Um, they, they were like, a lot of people were like, Oh, I've never really thought about it this way to where you could kind of see it in kind of this, this two form factor. One of the teachers said, yeah, I really like it because it's like input and output. The input is on the Mm -hmm. right and then the output is on the left. Um, And cause I kind of explained that. And then I said, you know, they can play with that. It, they don't have to live by that doctrine. It just really fits the vast majority of what we talk about. And I used, uh, an Emily Dickinson poem. I did, uh, I'm nobody who are you as my model mini lesson. And we went through it <laughs> exactly like I would with, uh, um, a class. And I told them, I was like, all right, I know there's not a lot of English people in here. Um, I was like, and I was like, if this gives you hives, thinking about poetry and all of that, don't worry. I was like, I feel it when I sit in a math room and someone brings up math problems. And I'm like, oh, my God, just kill me now. Like, I just don't want to do this. <laughs> so I was like, I'm here with you. It's OK. We're not going to go too advanced on this. I was like, just listen to good conversation. We'll be good. So I kind of walked them through it and I was the whole time though I kept telling them I was like it's more about the process. I was like pay attention to how it's set up, the standard and then the whatever piece that we're doing. And so I I was challenging I was challenged to talk about it using other knowledge. And I found myself leaning on a lot of the stuff that I've gotten from assistant principal this year, jumping into a lot of different classrooms, right? Just being Uh able to see what is in that. So I started pulling on that knowledge, but honestly, I pulled on a lot of the knowledge with me and you, when we would go into classrooms and think about what workshop would look like and all of those and think about like how a social studies text could be your model text, right? How a comic Uh strip could be your model text and all that. So I got to pull on that And what happened was, is I would say the vast majority of people in that session, uh, or both of those sessions, they really did see how this could work in all the contents, And it made me really think that you and I really got to buckle down and have at least one section of the book be about other contents. Um, Yeah. Or maybe do a second book where it has that, or put it all into one. I don't know. I mean, I think we should definitely have footnotes somewhere, um, or maybe like an aside on certain pages that show like what would this look like in science, social studies, math, etc. Um, and I think it was just really interesting to kind of do that. But one of the things that happened is, I, I, I realized the it was it was a lot of it was coming back to me because I haven't really taught the craft and draft books in a while. Like, cause we've done our demos here. Right. But we mm-hmm. did, we did our original one almost what over a year ago, for sure. Two years ago when we did two that video. Two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's been about that long since I've had to describe it like kind of piece by piece. And when I was setting it up, I kept remembering like little nuggets of, Oh yeah, this is how to describe this. But it, as a presenter, that's the interesting piece too, because I kept telling them, I was like, I was like, and so here's one piece and it starts off really simple. But the whole point of craft and draft is that it's, it's simple all the way through, but everything connects. And so it's important to understand those connection pieces. So I found myself really trying to hone in on that in the presentation. Um, and I think that is interesting too, is as a presenter, trying to foresee where kids, where students, your students, your teachers that you're training, your participants. Yeah. Sorry. Mm -hmm. I'm tired. I'm presenting all day. Um, your participants where they might struggle, but also being willing to stop because I had some who like they, they would like they're brought up like using vocabulary. And so we talked about that for a little bit. Um, and I think that is an interesting piece of presenting is trying to predict where the issues are, but also trying to build in cushion just in case, Um, Questions come up in a certain way. How have you dealt with them?
1: Yeah, I just, I, I usually just stop. And I think that's where, as I was telling you, my, my partners and stuff get a little nervous because I'll stop and let them ask those questions and then we'll answer them. And then I'll even maybe show them if I have an overhead or something like that in the past. But, um, but no, yeah, just the same way, like what you're talking about. And uh, you know, I pull a lot from the fact that I I've taught all these different subjects. So I pull from that and that gives me some validity with with a, a variety of different people. And that helps a lot. And so uh, but when it comes to answering their questions or stopping, I would say things like, you um, you, well, I actually pulled from, you know you're you're a master of your own domain was one of the things I said in our last presentation. I told everybody, you're a master of your own domain. I mean, you can set this up. what makes sense for you and your students? Uh, the but the concept is still the same. you know, and I told them that one of the things that I do is I set up sections as I see because as I see them uh, necessary. So, for example, um, all of a sudden we had to do when I planned that, you know, the year out a few years back, all of a sudden we have to do AI every day on a particular day, all of our, almost all my kids had to do it. So instead of, you know, so then we decided you were there, I think it was with you. Uh, we decided to tackle that like on a Monday in our workshop and figure out a way to tie it into our workshop. And so I actually created a section for ai and i said so that way this host back section here is all for your ai now for those of you don't know what ai is it's what advanced instruction where you're you're supposed to if they have failed their test or something like that and they're on that list and they have to you know be taught about things ahead of time so that when you're actually there teaching it with a whole group they have a a better chance of understanding it so we would do that on mondays because well you know it's kind of a preview of what we're going to be doing so i created a section for that and i said so if you need a section for vocabulary because that is what your district requires then that's what you need to do uh you know so and you can do sections where uh you don't follow the front and back like i do my s I call it S squared, R squared. I have a whole section there in my craft book where the student, it's front and back. It just flows for about six pages. Front and back, that gives me 12 pages. So that's where they respond you know, to their uh, self-sustained reading. And I just do that because... It just helps the kids know where to put it every day when I ask them to respond to their reading. But then my mini lessons and everything else, that's not a part, that's not my mini lesson. My mini lessons, that's the front left and I begin that on page 11. So I just tell, so what I do is I find out what they need and then I try to show them how I've solved some of my issues and and we brainstorm. So how would you solve that? Does anybody have any ideas? And I include the audience does anybody have any ideas on how, you know, you might could help uh, this person that just asked this question. Does anybody have any ideas they want to add? And then I say, Oh yeah, that would work. Or, well, the only thing about that is, you know, and I will explain why that may or may not work in the system. Is that what you asked me? I don't know, but you don't know what you asked me. (laughs) Well, I had a cat as you know, while I was trying to do this, I have cats. Of course. And as you all know, it's only when I sit down to do podcasts that they decide mm-hmm. to run and chase right. toys. So I got distracted a little bit. Mm.
0: You know what was kind of cool is, I don't know if you did this in yours, but one of the things I did at the at the beginning of the craft and Draft presentation I did today is I talked about the origin of why we did what we did. Mm. So I talked about the... I sure did. And you know, and just I described us being in the same office, and then seeing the problems that we saw, and then basically sitting and you know, and going into the whiteboard and thinking about how wh- what yes. would this look like, and um, <clears throat> it was really cool to kind of just tell the origin because it's something that really I think it is important to the why the journals exist in the first place um, and what they're used for, but and on a presentation level uh i think the challenge was and i think the challenge for a lot of presenters and i know probably the people that are listening to this especially our patreon people i feel like a lot of them are people that would want to present at some point if they don't already is thinking about what is valuable to know versus not valuable like that that's What I struggle with a lot because I want to talk and I want to give all the details, but I don't necessarily Mm -hmm. need every detail. Like there's like for this one, I knew I was going to have they marketed it to the the little conference I was at as cross curricular. So I knew the draft book would not be the main piece. Right. So I spent probably 75 percent of my time talking about the craft book or maybe 60% and then like 20% on the draft book and then the rest on assessment and how it all kind of connects. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. but I, and that, that was interesting, but a lot of them, I found they still connected to the idea of a draft book. Like a lot of them were like, you know, we could still have like one of the social studies teachers. They were like, you know, this could be where they take, you know, their longer responses and put it here or science like the they're talking about maybe using the draft book as a reflection on like that's where they put their reflections for um, whatever experiment they might be doing or mm-hmm. something like that, which I thought was kind of cool because it was already just by kind of being around a literacy focused strategy um, or mm-hmm. system. It was already kind of encouraging them to add that piece which was kind of interesting and I couldn't have predicted that and it made me kind of wish I added more about the draft book so we could have had those conversations but maybe it was just enough right but I think that's an interesting thing so when you're thinking about presenting how do you how do you look at like you're going through you're looking at your slides or you're looking at your points how do you decide what is too much do you just go for it and trim as you go I feel like that would be your style just knowing who you are but or do you (laughs) Or do you really think about it and like kind of debate? You're like, no, I don't, I don't really need this here and cut it.
1: Yeah, no, I debate over it. But at the beginning, when you said you shared the origin story, I told when I presented in Abydos, one of the things I said was, well, with this, my partner uh, speaking about you, I said, we were stuck in this room for together for 187 days and they, they all went Oh, <gasps> It was like worth it because they were uh they were it was just kind of funny because they everybody thought I was being serious about the 187. And I had to go back and say, well actually uh the 187 days that's just your teacher's salary. So I just know that I had to work with them for so many days. <laughs> we weren't really stuck in the room. We had other jobs to do. But um so what I do is I decide, you know, like if I'm if I'm looking at that, you know, um like the origin story, for example, Uh, to me, what they need to know is why did we go ahead and start this process? So I felt like they need to understand that this process was to solve an actual real teacher administrator curriculum problem that we were facing as literacy coaches. So as a result, we had to solve the problem. So we... Uh, began to work on this problem and then we ended up going back into the classroom and then we experimented with it until we got it and we're still experimenting and so that's just kind of how I started it and then let them know like I did all the different subjects and you know but I was speaking mainly to English teachers at this particular time and actually a lot of them were trainers and stuff like that so yeah yeah
0: I mean, I but definitely feel, I, oh, go ahead, go ahead, sorry.
1: Uh-huh. No, but I definitely go in and I I play it, I play it and replay it, what I'm going to say. Now, what I don't do, and um, I used to have to present for the longest time, and I always, I always give this as a preface, too. It's kind of funny, but I don't do real well at following PowerPoints. So what I do is I'll start talking. We'll start getting it because I have rehearsed it so much in my head and I write it down on my note cards. So I'll have, I have note cards where I write down the whole lesson. So on the, the first part, my first part, I divide it usually into three or four parts. First part, I write my bullet points. Second part part I write my bullet point oh no I'm not going to do that let's move this around so you can see if you had my my cards you would see that I'm always moving my cards around figuring out what I want to do next what's going to come next I'll run it by somebody anybody who's willing to listen that's not going to be a part of it but they like me and or that they'll tell me the truth and then and then after that I put my PowerPoint together I'm usually the last one to put my PowerPoint together and I only do that because um I actually uh, feel like piece, a lot of people are expecting powerpoints now, but or you know some sort of presentation uh, involvement. But when we first started teaching in Abidos, uh, Dr. Carroll, uh, we were presenting at all these uh, conferences, and the powerpoints and all that wasn't really available, and she didn't want this. Because when I started presenting, it was actually Abydos material. And the philosophy there of uh, Dr. Carroll was you should know 75% of your information more than what you're going to teach. You should be a command. You should be a master of what it is you're going you're to talk about. You should know it well enough that you don't need anything to depend upon. And then not only that, when you're not using that PowerPoint and you're doing this whole thing, it's extremely authentic and it's valid, and so and they see it work without the use of help, and uh, but now I think a lot of people expect it because, you know, they want to refer to it and and uh, they want that, you know, the you know an an address or a a little QR code or tiny URL where they can get that information and keep it. So now um, I pretty much do the PowerPoint after. I actually figure out my presentation.
0: I That's another thing that I think about a lot is kind of the PowerPoint. And I use it almost as notes, and I just kind of start throwing things together. Like when I was recreating the Craft and Draft presentation for this, um, I had kind of used our other things that you and I had done as a model, but mm-hmm. I still was curious at how I wanted to do it. Um, but there really, there were less slides, but for my teach me teacher one, there's a lot of slides because I use it as not like, I'm not reading off of it, except for when there's a quote on there, which there's a few. Um, but the vast majority of it, I'm using it to kind of click through sentences that highlight what I'm saying. So almost like a, right, like a a scaffold to, Hey, I'm telling you this story, but this sentence is really what I'm trying to hone in on. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's. It's difficult to do that for me, too, because there's like, I don't know. Hang on. Let's see. Let's see. Let, let me look real quick. I want to see how many slides there are since I just did this. I should know. I did it twice today. But I'm just curious because I feel like there's a lot. What would you say is a lot? Give me a number. Uh, I was, well, it depends on how long your presentation is. But
1: <laughs> uh, I would say 20 is probably above. Too much. Well, how many do you have? (laughs) Fifty-two.
0: No, I have forty-five.
1: Forty-five. I was close. (laughs) I win. I get the jelly beans. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Well, if it doesn't feel too much, then it's not too much. Yeah. But you don't want. What you don't want is to get up there and read it. So many people will sit there and just read their slides, and it's not a presentation. It's just, well, you might as well just give me the handout if that's what you're going to do.
0: Yep, 100%. I
1: remember one time uh, we had to present when I was getting my master's, and I had to present on perfectionism and uh, that kind of thing. And so um, we had to have a PowerPoint, we had to blah, blah, blah. So I, I used my habitus principles, which is it you've got to have them active, you need your audience engaged, actively thinking, listening, or speaking with each other in a dialogue. But you got to have them actively engaged in some way, uh, throughout your, you know, your piece to keep them. And and then you think about how long somebody can pay attention to something. So you want to shift your stuff. So that's why you have the activities and that's why you know because people learn by doing. So you're you're trying to get all the modes of learning in there. And the more modes of learning you can get in as long as it's not too busy because it can't get too busy right and you try to get too much in in a short amount of period a short amount of time that becomes a problem but anyway so I had them doing something I had my audience which was my my master's class and we were doing our you know I had them doing something and then we had to make you know whatever it was and then I had them talk with each other and then I get to the end of my presentation and I went Oh my gosh. I had to present with my slides and I did not turn the slide one time. So I'm like, what am I going to do? You know, you have a split second to make a decision and they're grading you. Right. And that's part of your grade are your slides. Well, I haven't given my grade. So I'm about to make a C or something. So I was like, oh, well, let's recap everybody. And I I went through those slides. Remember when we did this? That's why we did that. And I went through and and reminded them of all the activities we did and why we did it. And, and then I said, all right, and there they are. Those are my slides. And that's our presentation. I hope you understand perfectionism better by especially using the principles of Jim Delia. Thank you for listening. And I sat down. Well, anyway, on my paper, you my, you know, they they gave me my rubric back with my grade on it, and it said, "Well, if 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 you didn't know anything, I, what? How did it word it? Anyway, I got it. I got an A, and the reason I got an A, they said, well, they said it was good, but they said, well, one thing's for sure, you know your material because you never use your slides. I can't tell you that, but but I did do my slides, so they couldn't t- say I they couldn't take off of that, but. But I can't tell you how many people would get up there. These are experienced teachers and they would just read the slide and just stand in front of the screen and click their button and read the slide and then go sit down. And you're like, well, do you really know it or do you not know it? So I, I think minimum. But if you have a quote that you really wanna need, if you have a picture that is gonna really show it better than what you can do by explaining it, if it's going to quicken and quicken the information and put it in their heads better by showing it,
0: that's what you need to put on your slide. Yeah. I dig that. Mm-hmm. So I guess kind of as a capstone to this, for how do you suggest people get into speaking? Like just in general, mm. like how, like, cause the way I did it is I just had some, Classroom success and people approached me, right? And they were like, "Hey, right. why don't you come do this?" And I said yes because it was something I was interested in. And then I did it, and I ended up liking it. And now I really do love it. It's exhausting sometimes, and sometimes I regret saying yes to things. But then when I'm there, I'm like, "Sweet, I love this." Um, it's it's always fun to give energy that way. It's a, just a different classroom. So for for someone who wants to get into it, that might not. Have that. How how do you get into something like this where you're presenting either in a workshop format or something else?
1: Well, I, I personally got involved because I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. And they were our district was actually asking people to. Uh, be trained in Abydos so you can find an organization like that and be trained that way but um, I would say it really truly if there's something that and and everybody has something everybody has something that they have done in their classroom a lesson that is just uh, great you know and the and the kids you know those lessons where you're right in the middle of doing it and all of a sudden you're like The lights are going off. The kids are picking up on it. You're getting chills because something happened that, I mean, everything is connecting. That lesson uh, is about a 45 minute lesson. That's a 45 minute conference presentation. So I would say join your, your, um, you know, like, like, uh, teachers of English, you know, any of your organizations like that, and or just any kind of conference, attend a conference, but uh, see how they do it, right, in these conferences. What would you do? And then next year, join the next conference and ask if you can uh, apply for presentation. And I would start presenting at conferences. I've presented at many conferences over the years. You know, of course, I do a conference every year. I used to almost every three years. And that was the Abydos conference this last year. They asked me to, I've done, I think three spotlight sessions where they've asked me to come back and teach something, but I presented at the social studies uh, conference. I presented at a math conference. Um, believe it or not, I talked to a whole conference of math teachers and they clapped when it was over. I don't know, <laughs> but anyway, and, and there's a, you know, I referee volleyball, right? And so there was a um, I, a lady who's always doing the score at the score book at this and the score clock at this uh, one particular school, she was a math teacher and she actually saw my name and she was curious because she only knew me as a referee and official for volleyball. So she came. So for all this time, she thought I was a math teacher this whole time. Just recently she realized, she goes, I haven't seen you at that math conference. I said, "Well, that's because I'm not a math teacher and I don't usually go." She's like, "You're not a math teacher. I could have sworn you're a math teacher from that conference." So, so she came and um, so I would just go and and present. I've presented at National Geographic uh, with their presentations. I've presented to different parts of the state of Texas and then I've um, presented for at social studies conferences. So, if you whatever it doesn't matter what it is, if you are a part of a math group, if you're part of a social studies group or an English group, the reading, uh, reading conferences, anything like that, GT conferences. I don't think I've presented at a GT conference. That's the one I haven't presented at, I don't think. But anyway, so I would start with conferences. That's really the first thing I would do. And then start with your, and then and then once you get going, offer that, um, you know, say, hey, look, I have this presentation. And then and then tell your your people that you work for uh, at your district level and see if they need you. And if they do, volunteer for some professional development time.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, that's our crash course I'm presenting from a little non uh, specific focus, just kind of all over the place. I think it's good, just kind of a casual conversation. You see, there's no right or wrong. Jump into it if you're wanting to do it. But that's Pam Wachom to SA. We're two. Texas teachers down here in the Texas doing what we do love and I hope some people from the conference I was at today are listening to this I think uh it, they should be if they are hi welcome feel free to join us over there on patreon you get bonus episodes if you enjoy this type of content get bonus uh videos episodes posts all kinds of things just like Alicia Brandy Leah Mark Amy Sarah Rebecca Courtney Carol Melissa, Destiny Lori Natalie Susan Tracy Andrea Hannah Lori Jen matt amanda and donna all do already they're part of our patreon supporters they get access to all, just like you can if you can't do that that's okay subscribe so don't miss anything we drop episodes pretty much every single friday uh this episode will be going live late friday but that's okay it's still gonna hit friday um leave a review if you enjoyed this we love those come back next week for another great episode and know that we are here for you